Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, Episode 8. So, again, as always, the crew is here with me. Myself, Chaz, I have Richard of MTG Goldfish here, and Saffron Olive, as you know him, or Seth, around these parts. What's up, guys? Hey. All right. We also have Rolly here, who does all the limited analysis numbers of the draft environment on mtggoldfish.com. So welcome to the crew, Rolly. Hi, everyone. Good to have you. So we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, mostly we're going to have the podcast be a kind of limited environment focus, and we're going to talk about the the numbers, the analysis. Uh, we're going to get Rolly's take on the draft environment. Uh, a couple of tweets uh, from a couple of pros, uh, Paul Ritzel and Owen Turtenwald. They had something to chime in about the, the limited format. And we're also going to tackle uh, Tempest Remastered that was announced for uh, Moto. So we're just going to jump right into it. They announced Tempest Remastered on Moto. So uh, Richard, Tempest Remastered. Yes, yeah, so Wizards made a big announcement this week about Tempest Remastered. So it's going to drop for Magic Online only on May 6th. And they're going to reprint the cards from Tempest, Stronghold, and Exodus uh, in Tempest Remastered and make it a proper draft environment. So the big news here is Wasteland is coming back to Magic Online. It's absurdly high uh, right now. So everyone's viewing this as a chance to get more Wastelands into the format. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, how that plays out. Seth? Yeah, I mean, Richard's right. Wasteland is definitely the big news. It's actually already decreased in price, almost half price today. It's down about 55 tickets uh, in only one day since the announcement. As far as Limited itself, I'm really interested to see what they put at Mythic. Just looking through the cards in the set, there's not a whole lot that jumps out at me being Mythic by our modern standards. So I'm curious to how they're going to actually design this with the new format and limited in mind. Yeah, I already saw that uh, they lowered, like, the bots all started, like, scrambling to lower their buy list thing on Moto for Wasteland. And I a few people on Twitter were already saying, like, they have uh, Tectonic Edge and all these cards that destroy non-basic lands, so, and those are uncommon. Does Wasteland get bumped up to, like, Mythic or Rare? Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think... Uh, Wizards have done a, a really good job with these curated sets over the last few um, uh, iterations, so Modern Masters into Vintage Masters. Uh, this is another curated set rather than ground-up set uh, in the same vein. Um, they've got a much smaller card pool to work with this time, but if if it's anything like what they've done, you know, with with the uh, with the recent curated sets, then we're in for a good limited format. I mean, the, the original uh, Tempest block was, was obviously not designed for limited. Uh, it was a terrible limited experience. <laughs> yeah. um, so so they've, they've, they've got to really polish this one up to a, to a high sheen, I think, to, to get it to work properly. Um, but the potential is there. I mean, they've, they've shown they're able to do it. Now it's a question of, you know, is, is the raw material there in the set that they can, um, they can extract and, and make a good limited environment? Yeah. So does do either of you think um any kind of major shifts in common uncommon rare or mythic? I have Sorry. two cards I want you guys to talk about. I have Wasteland, which you know is it uncommon rare or mythic? And I also didn't know but Hatred is in the format. Hatred's an Exodus card. And if you don't know what it does, it's 5 mana. 
and then you pay X life, and target creature gets plus X plus O. So I expect a lot of people to get blown out by this card. So do you think it's going to remain a rare, or do you think it's bump up to mythic, or what do you think? What do you guys think about these two cards? We'll start with you, Roy. My gut feel is it's going to be mythic um, for for Wasteland. Uh, they've again shown that um, that in these remastered sets, they they want a, a few flagship cards that are going to drive sales. And obviously, the the price of Wasteland uh, is is going to make it attractive uh, to set at a, a mythic level to kind of drive the the sales of the set. So my 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 guess would be at uh, at mythic for for wasteland in the very least. Yeah, Seth. Um, my initial thought was it would be mythic, but the more I think about it, I think rare might be more likely. Strip mine was printed at rare in Vintage Masters, and I don't really know what wasteland is going to do in limited. I don't think. I mean, there's a few utility lands like Volrath Stronghold, uh, which are in the block, but. It's not like non-basic lands are a major theme of the set. So I think Wasteland is probably safe for rare. Um, as far as Hatred, I think that'll be a mythic. That card is a blowout. There, there's no way around that. Either you pay a bunch of life and end up almost killing yourself when they kill your creature in response, or you kill them by paying a bunch of life. So I think that'll be mythic just for limited concerns. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to uh, echo your sentiments, Seth. I think, you know, I originally thought uh, Wasteland would probably be Mythic, but I think it's safe at Rare in terms of, like, a draft environment. I, I know, like, back then they weren't really designing these sets to be drafted, but I think it makes better sense for a card like Hatred to be a Mythic and Wasteland to be a Rare. Probably why the prices are plummeting is because that might already be um, a stigma, is that they probably will print it at Rare just for, again, limited purposes. So... Interesting stuff. Did you want to chime in at all, Richard? Yeah, I'm actually hoping it comes in at Uncommon. Uh, <laughs> Legacy is very expensive to play in Magic Online, and there is no reserve list in Magic Online. So when Vintage Masters was reprinted, we got a surge of Legacy staples, but the prices went to basically everything that wasn't reprinted in VMA, so Wasteland just shot up, right? So if they printed at Uncommon, it would make Legacy quite affordable, and they could revive this dying format. We already have cards like Krakus, which have a huge difference between online and real life. Like, I think Krakus is like 5 bucks on Moto, but $150 in real life. So yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Wasteland, you know, kind of join this group of, you know, strange price parity between uh, paper and online. Yeah, for sure. I think it would really help promote uh, people going to play Legacy uh, on Moto anyway. Might not help the paper aspect too much because of these huge uh, discrepancies in price, but, you know, that that's going to be an ongoing thing for Wizards to figure out in terms of that. But Tempest Remastered coming soon to Moto. Again, those kind of older sets uh, didn't really lend themselves too well to be drafted. I know I sat through some pretty terrible sets back then uh, when I was little, like Legions, and that was really bad. But we might get into that as we go and analyze this data. So we're going to Roly post. He's the data numbers guy. He posts all these percentages and win percentages and game length and uh, just a whole giant limited analysis uh, on mtggoldfish.com. The most recent one was, of course, Fate Reforged slash uh, Consul Tarkir. So let's break down some of these numbers. 
So the data is kind of broken up into two major chunks. Um, one is an analysis of the, the metagame as a whole. So you're looking at the, um, the archetype uh, win percentages and play percentages, the strength of the various colors in terms of, you know, when we see a, a color appear in a, a, a deck, how, how often does it go on to, to win the game? Um, how many lands are played? Uh, whether you win on the play or on the draw. So that, that's kind of the, the meta analysis. And then the, yeah. the other analysis we do is, is around strict card, card win percentages. So, what we're seeing there is when a card is played uh, in a replay, how often does that player go on to win the game? And we record that as a percentage. So the the data really is focused um, or, or collected from um, MTGO replays, and we can record everything that you see on the screen when you watch a replay. And we don't record anything that you can't. And there's there's some hidden information that you may not kind of think of immediately when you're watching a replay. One is the player's hand. So we don't see what's in a player's hand and we don't see what's in a player's deck or what they picked during the draft. So that leads to some interesting sort of issues with the, with the way or the, the restrictions that we have on what we can say about the data. We can only say uh, what we see uh, in terms of the game. So the win percentage on a card doesn't take into account for instance, how often a card is stranded in your hand. So if it's an eight drop, for instance, let's take a look at, you know, Ugin. If you cast him, he's going to win you the game most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the question is how often has, is he, is he sitting in your hand, you know, all the way from turn one to the day, you know, you, uh, you die. And we, we don't have, uh, the, the raw number for that. What we can do in, in some circumstances, is and we, we've started this um, uh, with uh, with the fate reforge analysis is try and derive uh, a win percentage based on the fact that if you reach eight mana, uh, then you can you can cast uh, Ugin. How often are you likely to reach eight mana? Now that's not perfect. You know the uh, you can certainly construct your deck in a different way to to be able to to, to cast Ugin, but it comes a little bit closer to what we would consider card evaluation rather than strictly win percentage. So myself, Seth, and Richard constructed a few more uh, specific questions to ask you. Seth had a question. Did you actually watch 40,000 draft games on Moto? No. Um, <laughs> so the, the the bot records games roughly in the same way that, um, uh, that a bot is able to auto-trade with you. Um, it's, uh, it's doing, uh, screen capture recognition. Um, and it's, uh, it's capturing mostly the, the text, things like your life total, library size, um, and that kind of thing to, to give you a, a result. Um, I watch about 300, um, in the beginning of a format to try and weed out any errors and create new exceptions. So there obviously, as you mentioned, some irregularity in the numbers, things not showing up like what's in your hand, what's in your deck that's not played. So if you bring up the the top cards, uh, like the top uncommons, the top commons, just the top cards in general. So an armament core, it was in 15, you know, roughly 1500 games and the likely win percentage was 72 percent and the win percentage was 78 percent. So can you just kind of walk 
us through the, those specific kind of numbers? Yeah, so for instance, um, the, uh, the, the raw win percentages, how often do you go on to win the game after you've played a, an arm um, core? That will give you the, the win percentage raw. Then the, um, uh, the win percentage for, um, uh, calculated is how often will the game last for six or more turns, or do you get six, sorry, six mana or more to be able to cast your arm core? If you don't reach six mana, then you're not going to be able to cast it, and the assumption is that it will be stuck in your hand. So how often are you likely to have it stuck in your hand multiplied by how often are you likely to get to six mana? That gives you the, the relativity factor on uh, on a card like Arm Core. Very good. I'm going to open it up to my co-hosts here. So do you guys uh, have any glaring things that we want to talk, that you guys wanted to talk about for this uh, limited analysis? I'll start with you, Seth. Well, yeah, one thing I was wondering, I mean, obviously you have game length uh, and average turns played and how many lands are played. Assuming you can use those to compare one format to another, how does uh, Fate Reforged Limited compare to some other recent formats? So a, a lot of limited formats uh, are actually startlingly similar. Um, there's When we talk about fast and slow formats um, uh, in draft, quite often the, the numbers are showing that, that we're not actually talking about maybe the huge win percentage shift that you, you might think or, or uh, turn percentage shifts that you might think. They're often quite narrow. The, the exceptions are things like really slow formats, uh, um, some of the... Um, some of the previous core set formats, for instance, are much slower. But, uh, for instance, when we're looking at, say, Khans uh, um, or Triple Khans versus Khans with Fate Reforged, and the, the general community consensus is that um, that Fate Reforged has uh, kind of sped the format up a little bit, we do see that, but not by much. So if you look at the um, average turns, for instance, for straight KDK, you've got uh, 9.7 in, um, once you include uh, Fate Reforged, it goes down to 9.6. So the difference there is tiny. Um, and sometimes we, uh, we, we kind of have these ideas that, that the shifts within, um, within different formats are, are very significant. But quite often I find that uh, the difference between, say, a fast format uh, a medium format and a slow format might only be two turns. Excellent. That's good. I hadn't really thought about it like that. That's really interesting. I guess it seems uh, more in our heads <laughs> than it actually plays out in yeah. the numbers. I think the difference seems more pronounced when you're playing the game. So that's really interesting to see the data on that. Yeah, I think I think we're also quite good at, at differentiating difference. You know, uh, as human beings, we're... Uh, uh, we're really good at being able to to kind of identify even subtle differences. I, I just don't think that we're we're as good at being able to put that into numerical terms in terms of well, how much faster is it? How much slower is it? I, I think yeah. say so I'll give you another example uh, that's that's quite um, uh, sh- shows the difference I suppose between uh, the the relative differences uh, and the absolute differences in in some of these numbers. So. If you look at the two color pairings um, that are played in uh, Fate Reforged KTK versus the two color pairings uh, in straight KTK, picking one at random, let, let's say uh, Azoria, so UW, 
Um, in KTK, we saw that comprised 0.3% of the meta. So a tiny percentage of, uh, of your opponents would have been, um, would have been Azorius, straight Azorius. In Fate Reforge, we see that number go up to 1.7%. So in absolute terms, that's not very large. It's still a tiny number, right? Um, a very small percentage of your opponents will be, um, uh, will be Azorius. But in terms of the, the change, that's five times as many people are now playing Azorius in Fate Reforge as they were playing in KTK. So in terms of the jump, it's a big jump. Um, but in terms of the, the, the overall impact on the, um, on the meta, it's relatively small. Yeah. Uh, Richard, did you want to chime in uh, on this at all? Yeah. So let's say I'm a inexperienced drafter and I come across this data. How should I interpret it? Should I be, you know, pack one, pick one, taking armament core? Should I be playing flying crane techniques? You know, should I be playing Abzin? What should I be doing? How do you interpret this data and how can I use it to help me improve my game? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think it's it's probably the question that we get ask the most and mostly about the uh, the card win percentages um yep. i think we each each iteration we're getting better at at trying to explain what it means we're starting to add some more uh more analysis around the the numbers when we present them uh to try and give people a, a better idea of, of how to use those numbers and a lot of that comes as suggestions from uh, from the community. You know, people will let us know, or you could have presented this in a different way. We could have, you know, explained this a bit better. The way that I use the numbers is we'll start with, um, with the card win percentages. So I, I think, again, that you can break it down into categories. And it's, it's there to help you with your card evaluation skills. It's one more... Um, one more piece of information that you should use uh, in in a holistic card evaluation, and the the categories are kind of broken down into situational versus non-situational, and within those non-situational creatures versus everything else. So creatures, I think, are probably where you get the closest alignment between, say, what one would consider a pick order. Um, and and the win percentage, so the the strength of the card and and its uh, resulting percentage when it uh, when it gets played in a replay, mostly because there's no conditions on you playing a creature, right? If if you have the mana to cast it, you probably will cast it. Um, so they're they're very very often not stuck in your hand, waiting for something else to to happen on the board. There are certain cards that are, and uh, and, and you you kind of have to apply some uh, discretion into into looking at the numbers. But when you look at a, a card like Elite Scale Guard um, and uh, and look at the win percentage on a, on a card like that, you can be fairly sure that that is is close to its um, uh, to its overall strength level. Certainly when you're comparing it to to say other five casting cost um, creature cards. So the the other area that I'm I'm looking for in terms of the the percentage uh, the percentages on cards is uh, for those cards that aren't obviously good or bad that uh, that have a sense of power about them but you, you uh, particularly this happens with with rares 
Um, you don't have a lot of experience playing with it. Um, they are slightly situational. Um, and the, the, uh, the cards that I'm, I'm kind of looking for uh, like that are cards like Arcbond. So Arcbond, um, is, is a card that, uh, that I think as a community we haven't settled on in terms of is it, is it, you know, a card that we should be drafting highly? Is it not a card that, uh, that we should be drafting highly? Um, and, uh, and what I'll look for is what's the win percentage on a, on a card like, uh, like Arcbond? And just from memory, it's relatively low. So we're looking at, uh, at a win percentage around the, the 48% mark. And for me, that means, look, this, this is a card where I would want to, to look very closely at to see whether my experience uh, and the experience of you know videos that I watch or whatever else mirrors the the win percentage um, on that card. Are people getting you know absolute blowouts on it? How often is it stuck in their hand? Because you know in a in a video replay you don't have the same issue, right? You can see somebody's hand or on Twitch. Um, how often is that arc bond stuck in their hand? How often did they get a blowout using it? How often did they win the game using it? Um, so, so a card like Arc Bond is something where I'm looking for the data to tell me, are we overvaluing this card just because it's powerful? Is the situationality of it so restrictive that, uh, that the card itself is just doesn't have the rewards that, um, uh, that it needs to to be a situational card in my deck? So... When one looks at this, and so if I were to go to my uh, draft night tonight at my gaming store uh, after this podcast, so you're not advocating like drafting like five color uh, armament core, brutal horde chief, uh, hooded hydra, citadel siege, wingmate rock, just the top like ten uh, win percentages and likely win percentages doesn't mean that you know you're going to be winning a limited game. Yeah, so I think if you did get all of those cards, uh, you'd probably have a pretty good deck anyway. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 mana situation would probably be a bit of an issue for you. But um, but I, I think the these these are, are not something that um, uh, it's not draft by numbers, right? You, you you can't you can't just plug these in and and say just draft the uh, the highest win percentage card at at every opportunity and you'll have a great deck. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't turn, you know, magic theory on its head or, or deck construction on its head. It, it's it's an equivalent uh, to to watching, you know, good people draft, reading Luisa's um, draft analysis of of cards, and just uh, getting an idea around um, what what strong uh, what cards are stronger than others. Uh, you still, at the end of the day, have to draft a good, consistent curve. You still have to, you know, identify which colors are open um, at your seat because you, you've got to take into account that, that these are the numbers for uh, for 30,000 games of draft. It doesn't tell you what is happening on your table at your draft. So right. just because white is the strongest doesn't mean that you can just sit down at the table and say, right, well, I'm going to be white because white is the strongest and, uh, and away you go taking you know every white card that you see you, you'll end up with a you know an abysmal deck at least half the time um, you, you still have to be conscious of, of kind of what's getting passed to you 
what you're passing and uh, uh, the the main kind of assistance that uh, that it provides you in terms of what you do in your draft is help you with those those card evaluation skills, particularly for for those stranger, weirder cards that you don't get a chance to play with often. Yeah, or you can just build an always abysmal draft deck like me and, um, you know, just be terrible at limited. So, um, in, so, in, in that case, you, you probably do just want to go down the list. <laughs> <laughs> I advocate absolutely choosing top to bottom. All right, um, I'll, I'll make sure when I see a flying crane technique, when I get past a uh, empty the pits, I'll just make sure I just slam that baby. Yeah, that's exactly right. If in Abzan the whole way, flying crane technique comes along. Just pick it up. That's <laughs> all, right. all right. I'll make sure to do that. Um, my mana will probably be like really bad, but uh, I think I can make it work. Any kind of final thoughts on the draft analysis, Fate Reforged, Cons of Tarkir? I'll open it up to you, Richard. Yeah. Um, no, I'd just like to thank Rawl for providing this data to the community. It's awesome data, and uh, even LSV said it was awesome. So, you know, if he gives the sign of approval, then that must be good. And like he said, like, it's just another tool, right? It's something you use with your experience, with draft videos, uh, with pro articles, and you just add it to your, your kind of knowledge base and it helps you improve your game. But you can't just take, you know, any piece of information in isolation and, and run with it. So as long as you have that disclaimer in mind, I think, you know, it's a very valuable piece of information and, uh, people should check it out if they haven't seen it already. Seth, what about you? Final thoughts? Oh, well, I too want to thank Raleigh for uh, doing all this. It looks like it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, so I really appreciate uh, uh, him doing that for everyone and also taking the time to come on the podcast this week, so that's awesome. Um, as far as the data, I'm just really happy to see that 5-color actually does win sometimes because it seems like I end up drafting 5-color every every draft anyway, so it makes me feel a little bit better about my drafting to know that 53% of the time I might actually win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much, Raleigh, for that article and all this data that you provide. Um, it seems like in the community, it's really well received and I appreciate you taking the time to come on here with us and discussing that with us. And I didn't butcher your name. So that, that's no, good. You did a great job. Thank you very much. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we wrap things up on the podcast, Speaking of limited, we have a couple tweets just to tie this kind of all in to get your idea on this uh, too, Raleigh. Uh, Paul Ritzel and Owen Turtonwald aren't really huge fans of the whole Fate Reforged cons draft. So uh, do you agree with them or what have you found uh, watching 200 videos of this? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's it's as bad as, as maybe um... – they uh that they, they claim i think i think the problem is ktk is one of the best draft formats available right i mean it's not innistrad good but it's pretty good i mean it, it is it will go down definitely as one of the best limited formats of of all time and fate reforged makes it worse it is a it is a less enjoyable format the bombs are bombier and and losing to a bomb like that feels bad so i think those those two things in combination you know ktk being so good and then having a situation in which you know you can be winning the game for seven turns and then just lose the game to a single card i think that feels terrible and i, I think 
some of the the social media that you see, you know, is a reflection of that. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate that I really don't play limited, but I'm kind of the exact opposite of what you said. So I'm the guy that loses with all the bombs, and uh, I drafted Innistrad, and uh, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before that, um, you know, I would draft like Reaper of the Abyss and Blood Gift Demon in like the same draft and lose. So I kind of just figured like I'm just not good at limited. So I can understand people losing two bombs, but you know. What about the guys that have the bombs and lose? You know. Yeah, look, I I, I, I can <laughs> totally sympathize. I mean, it, it takes a it takes a long time to get good at limited. I think it's yeah. it's one of those things that um it it asks it asks a lot of different skills from you, and uh, and it can take a long time to to develop those skills. I think the the pros and and the spiky spikes in particular you know, are, are are really drawn to formats in, in which those skills are maximized um, and they're, they're really put off by formats that uh, that can hinge on, on single cards. I mean, that said, if you look at um, at the win percentage of, of the various archetypes, it's really well balanced. It's still a good format. I still enjoy drafting it personally. It's not like, say, the, the core set at the moment. You, you've got, you know, red and white, Absolutely dominant. I think that that is a a much less healthy format. You know, the uh, the mythic uncommon of triplicate spirits makes it miserable. So, uh, I mean, uh, I can I can appreciate the arguments, but there are there are much worse formats out there than uh, uh, Fate Reforged KTK. Yeah, just to pose this question real quick for everyone. So, what was your worst um, limited experience, Raleigh? Just oh, by comparison, I, I think I think it is probably the the guy that uh, that je- he is, he's probably reading my uh, win percentage list. It's the guy that is jamming the uh, the uh, uh, flying crane technique right next to his armament core with with no um, fixed lands at all and just gets natural uh, domain on turn five. Just <laughs> drives me crazy like nothing else. <laughs> But but uh, you know, same token, he's he's got to be fist pumping. There, there's no other joy like it, I think, than uh, than being able to to flying crane technique your armament core over for the win. So props yeah. props to the props to the people that uh, that just just want to play with their bombs. Yeah. Um, any any kind of final thoughts on the tweets, um, uh, Seth? Well, I mean, I agree. I agree with what they're saying in theory. Yes, Fate Reforge is way bombier than Cons was. I mean, it's really hard to lose once you play a Citadel Siege. Like that card is nuts in limited. It's not quite Pack Rat and Jitty nuts, but it is really strong. And there's like ten or fifteen rares and mythics that are just really hard to beat. And one point that Owen brought up that I think is good is when you have this many bombs it devalues the commons. It almost doesn't matter what commons you draft with your whatever 6th through 15th picks because it all comes down to whoever gets to play their massive bomb first. So I do think that that's an issue, but at the same time, I've had success with all different color combinations from two-color, like, white-blue flyers all the way up to five-color, and I think you can win with any of... Um, the wedge colors, like, so I think it is a fairly balanced format, but it could have been a little, uh, lighter on the bombs, I think. Yeah. Richard? 
Yeah, so I have a different perspective from you guys. So unlike <laughs> Rolly and Seth, I almost exclusively play sealed. So I don't tend to draft that much. And Paul Rietzel called this the worst sealed format he's ever seen. <laughs> and it's kind of close there. I've only played, you know, six or seven, you know, sealed events, so I can't definitively say so. But Citadel Siege is pretty much a game over, right? And it's a, <laughs> it's a four, uh, a four mana card. So you can't, like, do anything about it. You're not, your deck is not fast enough to go under it. So it just comes down and you die, right? And I've won, like, maybe one game where I was just so far ahead that I could just battle through it. But most of the time, these bombs just come down and you can't do anything about it. And there's just so many of them. Like, all the dragons are very tough to beat. Silmgar is tough to beat. All the sieges are tough to beat. There's just so many bombs. And especially with the sieges, they're enchantments. Like, you're not going to main deck enchantment hate. Like, what are you, you going to do about it, right? <laughs> so it's just really bad. Like, I would say, if not the worst, then, you know, under Avacyn restored, sealed, right? Like, it's, it's at that level. Um, but, you know, I haven't played as much, so I can't definitively say so, but so far I'm inclined to agree with Paul Rietzel. Really great stuff. Again, Roly, thank you for your incredible insight. Uh, the Aussie sensation is just, uh, it's great for the podcast. I'm, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, I'm fairly certain they will. Uh, it really helps out everyone that goes out and out there and draft. Probably won't help me, but there's no salvation for me, so. <laughs> Again, Thank you so much uh, for joining us, and that's going to do it for Episode 8 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening.